This is, uh, this is here, this title that I gave it today is There in Faith. God, may we be on track. May you get us on track. As we, as we listen to you, as we hear you, may we get on track and move forward. So, <clears throat> one of the things that, uh, and this, this was something that God was speaking to, to my heart this week in one of the, a couple of the prayer meetings. And it's something that has rattled around in my spirit for years. And I shared that with the people that were here. That, that there is a scripture verse that has haunted me. And I use that word very intentionally. Scripture verse that has haunted me for years. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. It says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. I think as the, as the evangelical church in, in North America, as the charismatic Pentecostal church in North America, as our own movement, the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, um, we, we do a pretty good job of talking about the power of God. We've got, I think we've got pretty good theology around the power of God. But the question that haunts me as a, as a, as a pastor, as a leader in the church, and as I look around at the churches that, that, I, that, I, that I know in my sphere of, you know, bumping into other pastors and other, other churches, the question is, are we walking in power that lines up with our words? Right? Are we blowing smoke? Are we blowing hot air? Or are we walking in the power that God has called us to walk in? And, and the, the question challenges me because, because I, I mean, yes, we see. We, I mean, in the last weeks and months, we've seen God do miracles in people's lives. We've seen miraculous salvations. We've seen some really great things. But folks, there is so much more that God has for his church than what we are currently walking in and experiencing. And I want us to be challenged enough to say, God, what, I guarantee you, if there's a problem, it's not from God's side, right? He's not broken. He's not on vacation. And so God, where, what are we missing? What's, what's out of sync? What's out of, out of shape, out of whatever for us? Another word, um, sorry, I'm supposed to put the first, this, I did these in uh, 
kind of in, in categories, bunch them together. Um, but another, another word connected to that, another word that came forth was step out and do it. Step out and do it. Sometimes, sometimes the reason I think that we don't see the power of God on display in and through our lives is not because is, is not because God doesn't want to do it. It's because we are we are too chicken to step out and do something that might make us look foolish. Pray for somebody because they might not get healed, right? Speak out something because if it doesn't happen or if it doesn't, you know, we, we, we'll look silly. And I think God needs, I, I think, God needs to, no. I think we need to put ourselves in a position, here, let me put it this way. Um, this is, this is a, a comment I've seen um, somewhere else, it's not new with me, but uh, so many, so many churches and pastors and leaders pray for revival, pray for the miracle power of God, and then, then do everything that they can to avoid being put in situations where miracles happen. Right? The situation where you step out on the limb. The situation where you step out and go for it. Right? Take a risk. And so, so uh, you know, I believe that, there, that what God wants to do through his church. G God said to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1. That wherever you set your foot... that territory will be yours. And there are, there are places in this city that God has given us that we have not stepped into. We've not been willing, ready to step into. Where are we stepping? Are we stepping in safe places? Because God did not save you and call you to make you safe, but to make you dangerous. And he doesn't want us to walk in safe places, but dangerous places where the Spirit of God wants to break out and do amazing things in and through our lives. So God, may we look for the dangerous places. May we look for where you're calling us to go, the things you're calling us to do, and be willing to go for it. Step out and do it. A couple of the things that I, I want, I'm weaving into this today also are things that, that I had said last Sunday that I was going to share with you on, on Facebook Live this week and uh, that God had been speaking to me already for a couple weeks and this is one of them. Um... Mentioned earlier that, that Jesus taught us to pray on earth as it is in heaven. 
on earth as it is in heaven. And I believe that that is not, as I said earlier, it's not just a prayer. I believe it's a mandate. That we're to partner with Jesus. Kingdom isn't just a matter of talk, it's a matter of power. It's not just praying it, it's walking it, it's living it. On earth as in heaven is our standard. On earth as in heaven, I'm going to say it again, is our standard. That means we keep we keep working towards, we keep moving towards, we keep believing towards, we keep praying in faith until the miracle comes on earth as in heaven. We don't pray a prayer and say, well, if God wants to do it, I guess he'll do it and move on. But on earth as in heaven is our standard. Anything less is shooting low of the target. That means we seek right and healed relationships. It means we treat every need for healing as an opportunity for God's miracle healing power. Every opportunity to share the gospel as a golden chance to see God do what we cannot do in someone's life. Somehow, in the church, I mean the church, but I think I think this is true of us as part of the church too. We have become satisfied with as long as I'm doing okay, and my family's all right, and I pray to Jesus once in a while. I'm just going to cruise till Jesus comes. Right? We got it on cruise control. But there's no such thing as a coast mode gospel. On earth as in heaven is the standard. And we we may always fall short of that. That's okay. You know, we're 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 not Jesus. But he's always calling us, come on, I've got more for you. There is more of heaven to be displayed in your family, in your neighborhood, in your circumstances, in the, in the city around you. Come on. God is not a slave driver saying, this is the standard, come on, what, what's, what's the matter with you? God's not a slave driver, he's raising up sons and daughters who want to live like him, right? Who get to participate in the life-changing, culture-changing, world-transforming work of the kingdom of God. Sometimes I think we are way too easily intimidated by the enemy who is an intimidator. That's, that's what he does. He's really good at intimidating, right? 
Scripture says he prowls around like, everybody say like. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for people to devour. But our Savior and King is the Lion of Judah. The enemy prowls around like a roaring lion. But let me tell you, he is toothless. He has been punched in the teeth, and they're all gone. He has been declawed like a house cat. And, and he, yes, he, he has power, yes, when we believe his intimidation. When we believe his lies, we give him power in our lives. But he has been dethroned, depowered, declawed, and we have authority, folks. And we need not be intimidated by the enemy. James tells us in James chapter 4 that if we resist him, he will flee. That's how much of a scaredy cat the lion is because all you need to do is resist him and he will flee. We say, no way, devil, I will not believe your lies. Get out of here, and he has to go. Someone else said that some of us are trying to fight the battle, but we're only partially clothed. Some of us are trying to fight the battle, but we are only partially clothed. It's not just about whether, so we're, we're, we're kind of talking here about the, uh, you know, the armor of God is, is really the, the picture behind this, right? So, so in, in Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 14, it says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit. Sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Here's the deal. It's not just about whether you're wearing it. It's about whether you know how to use it. Police officers go through strict training regularly to learn, to, 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 to learn how to use every, safe, every protection device that they're wearing, right? Their, their baton, their, their, you know, the uh, mace, the, the taser, the, the, their gun, like all the things that they have on them they go through strict training on how to use those things and how to use them in every kind of situation. Do we know? Do we know how to overcome disappointment? Do we know how to recognize the crafty lies 
of the enemy. Those fiery darts. Do we know how to recognize them? Do we know how to raise our faith when, they, when, the, when the darts are coming? Do we know how to remind ourselves who we are in Christ when we face discouragement? Do we know how to pray in faith even when we haven't yet seen an answer to our prayer? Do we know how to resist the devil in the midst of temptation? Do we know how to minister healing to someone who needs it? Do we know how to do that? Do we know how to cast out a, a, a demon from someone who's been demonized? Do we know how to share the gospel simply just to, to share the gospel with someone in a conversation? Do we know how to discern the voice of the Lord when it really counts? To be led by him. Maybe we've worn the armor for years, but we're not sure how to use it. We won't learn by sitting on the sidelines of the battle. Some of us need to be encouraged to get off the benches and into the battle. Fighting side by side with our comrades at arms and learn how to, to, to win at this thing that we're doing. Bold faith. One person said, we need to be, we need to be willing to make some noise. Make a noise, to, to call out to God when we need something from God, to, to make some noise. It pointed, pointed out Jairus's, Jairus's daughter died in Luke chapter 8. And, and, um, and um, she was sick and dying. And then she died, and Jesus raised her from the dead. Amazing story. But none of that would have happened if Jairus had just said, oh, man, there's nothing I can do. Jairus was the, he was the head of the synagogue. There was probably a lot of political pressure for him to not endorse Jesus, this upstart rabbi that was going around turning everything upside down. But, but Jairus was willing to make some noise and go get Jesus and, 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 you know, Jesus, I need you. You need to come. You need to come now, right? And some of us in our situations need to be willing to make some noise. We need to care enough about the, the things around us that need to change to not let go of God until something happens. Along with that, somebody pointed out in, in Matthew 11, verse 12, it says, Jesus says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Now, Jesus was not advocating physical violence against people. 
right? We know that. In the context of all his other teachings, that's not what he was saying. But we need to get mad at what the devil is doing around us. We need to get mad at situations. We need to let something in our spirit rise up and say, enough is enough. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to be counted. I'm going to pray. I'm going to do something until this changes. Right? We need to, we need to let God shake us. And, and um, you know, folks, there are, there are men and women and families and children and teens all around us that are, their lives are being destroyed and the enemy does not fight nice. He fights for keeps and he will destroy by poverty, by addiction, by domestic violence, by depression and anger and fear and whatever it takes. He will destroy lives and families and we will only rescue lives for the kingdom of God if we get some violence in our heart and start praying like it matters. One person said, actually kind of a, a picture out of the same story, the woman with the issue of blood that interrupted Jesus on his way to Jairus, grabbed hold of the, the hem of Jesus' garment because she believed that if she did so, she would be healed. And this person, this, this word that came was, grab a hold and don't let go. Grab a hold and don't let go. Grab a hold of Jesus and don't let go until he does the miracle that is needed in that situation. Grab a hold and don't let go. When we're, when we're contending for people's healing, when we're contending for breakthrough in a situation, grab a hold and don't let go. And this one as well came forward. What is, what is impossible with man is possible with God. What is impossible with man is possible with God. And the story that, that was shared with the scripture that was shared with that is the story of, of Nineveh, right? The capital city of the Assyrian Empire, the most brutal, one of the most brutal empires ever to exist on, on, on our planet in our history was the Assyrian Empire. And Nineveh was its capital. And God sent Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh and call them to repentance. And Jonah didn't want to go. Can you, can you imagine why, right? That's, that's not even possible that the heart of this corrupt and evil empire would, would repent and come to God. What is impossible with man is possible with God. And folks, we are praying for our city and we're praying for family situations. We're praying for all kinds of things. What is impossible with man is possible with God. Uh, Louise Gallon came to me one night at one of our prayer meetings and said, have you heard the story about the revival that happened in the 1800s in Baldoon? I said, no, don't, you know, tell me. Like, I, I, I haven't heard the story. 
And so they sent me, her and Don sent me this, uh, these pages from this book. They scanned it and sent it to me. I, I just, I need to take a moment to tell you this, folks. 1859. This guy was, was uh, preaching and God was doing a revival in, on the Miramichi in, in Newcastle and down into uh, sunny, sunny Corner and down in that area. And uh, some of those churches were started out of that revival. Um, the, particularly the Baptist and Presbyterian churches came out of that revival. Um, but while he was there, he got, he got a message. Somebody come, came to get him from Beldun, uh, from Beldun. Well, the thing said Beldun. The, the book says Beldun. Um, so came to get him from Beldun. And uh, I'm sure Nash Creek was part of the, the whole movement, right? But um, came to get him. And uh, because what had happened was 60 teenagers were having a party at someone's house, farmhouse. They were having a dance. There was music. I don't know what all was going on, but there was a party going on. 60 teenagers. And, and in the middle of that, the, the woman who owned the house, God had been speaking to her, and she was just in a desperate state of needing to, to, like, I need God kind of thing. So she was up in her bedroom praying. And one of the teenagers saw a piece of paper sitting on the floor, picked it up, and it was a little, it was a page out of a Bible. He read a line that said, you know, just said something, and, and it, it shook him, and he left the party, went into the kitchen by the fire, and it says he, he fell on the floor and just wailed out of his desperate need for God. Five other teenagers joined him. You know, it's, at this point, there's six teenagers on the floor of the kitchen wailing and calling out to God. The party shuts down. Everybody goes home. I mean, it's no fun when people are wailing for God, right? It's a good way to, to spoil a party. And, and out of that, there was a, there was a revival that happened that, that shook the whole area. And for weeks and months, there were people who were uh, coming to meetings, and they were falling down. This is long before the Pentecostal outpouring and, you know, uh, of this of the 20th century, um, there were people who were falling down under the the conviction and the power of God, and 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 just you know coming up, you know, just radically saved. And folks, God took His finger and touched down in that spot, and a sovereign move of God that nobody looked for, nobody. Nobody started, nobody was preaching, nobody was doing anything, but God touched down in that living room and one young man got gripped by the presence of God and it exploded into a revival that changed a region. And I, I share that, I say that because what is, what is impossible with man is possible with God. I believe that, that that mom that was up in her bedroom calling out to God was a, was a, 
a lightning rod that day for the presence and power of God to touch that home and start something that was unstoppable. Folks, I believe we need to get that kind of desperation because God wants to do something in our region and he wants to do something that right now most of us are saying, I don't, I don't see it. I don't, I don't think it can happen. I'm not sure that, you know, I mean, look at the thousands. We were praying for, the, for all the schools by name. We prayed for all the schools in our region this week, one night. And if you think about each school having some of them 200, the high schools, you know, 500, 800 students. All of those students connected with families and almost none of them know Jesus as their Savior. A minuscule percentage know Jesus as their Savior. And we look at that and say, it's impossible. It's so big. How will we reach this city for Jesus? Boom. One word was uh, foundation and alignment. I'm going to be quick on this one because I want to get to the last one and, and then we need to close. But we need, uh, we need right foundation and we need to be in alignment. So we need to be willing to look at everything regularly and ask the question, are we building on the right stuff? Right? Are we building on... On fad, or are we building on eternal principles? Are we building on things that are healthy and right in how we, how we work together, how we treat each other, what, what we hold as valuable and important? Are we building on the right stuff or not? Are we allowing selfish motivations and selfish agendas to, to muddy and cloud what God wants to build here. Sorry for those of you who are here for the first time today. This is either a really bad service for you or a really good one. I'm not sure. It's a really different one, that's for sure. It's all good. But we need to know heaven's mission for our church. And be in alignment together with God's purpose for us. And we need to be willing to pull in the same direction and go the same way to accomplish what God has called us to accomplish. I believe some of that means we need to clear the air. If you've got issues with somebody in our church, talk to them, resolve it, and get over it. Because life is too short and the mission is too important for you and I to be checked out because of offense. We need you in the mission. And I don't care if that's too harsh. <laughs> Lastly, and I'm going to invite 
Natalie to come on up now. Um, get off the ground. This is another one that I shared in the Facebook Live this week, so if it's repetitive for some of you, get over it. But um, <laughs> So 2 Samuel 12, verse 20. 2 Samuel 12, verse 20 says, uh, this is a story. So, so David sinned with Bathsheba, lusted over her, committed adultery with her, fathered a baby by her, um, tried, to, tried to get Uriah, you know, tried to cover it up. Didn't work. So he had Uriah killed and somehow was, his heart was hard enough that he was oblivious to the fact that that he had just really blown it with God. And God sent Nathan, the prophet, to confront him and wake him up. He repented. Nathan said, you're forgiven, but the child is going to get sick and die when it's, after it's born. The child was sick. David is laying on the ground, facing the wall in sackcloth, like literally burlap bag cloth, sackcloth, ashes in repentance and prayer. He's laying there because he's failed. He's laying there in defeat, in discouragement, in desperation. He's laying on the floor. And the child died. There's a moment of closure for David, and he says, all right, it's time to move on. And it says this, so David got up from the ground, washed, anointed himself, and changed his clothes, and he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. He got up from the ground. Some of you need to get off the ground. You have tripped, you've fallen. It may be a failure, it may be a defeat, it may be something that's tragically that's happened to you. It's, it's painful, it's hard, it's difficult. I don't, I don't mean to minimize whatever it is. But you can't live there. You can't live laying on the floor believe God's word to us would be get off the floor get up get off the floor David got up off the ground he washed it's time to cleanse away the residue of his sin and failure it's time for a new day he washed he anointed himself he was king God had anointed him. Samuel had poured oil on him to anoint him. But David needed to remind himself of the calling and the anointing and the purpose of his life. He needed to agree with what God had anointed him with. He needed to remind himself, I am a son of the Most High and I have a calling and a purpose and I need to get on the 
life and walk into it. I need to remind myself of what God has spoken over me. And he changed his clothes. He took off the symbol of his brokenness and his failure. He took off the sackcloth and he put on his king's robes. step into my purpose. He went into the house of the Lord and worshipped him. His child had just died. He just stepped out of the brokenness of his own failure and defeat. But he didn't let the lie that God doesn't want me anymore. God has nothing for me anymore. God doesn't love me anymore to, to, to take control of his mind. But he said, no, I'm going to go and I'm going to lift up my heart and my hands and I'm going to worship God and reconnect my soul with the, the lover of my soul. I felt we needed to land on this today the end because some of us need to hear that. Get up. Wash. Anoint yourself. Change your clothes. want to just take a couple minutes. Natalie's just going to keep playing for a bit. And I want to take, um, I want to take about three minutes. And I want to, I want this place to be a prayer room for a few minutes. Today, today we, we didn't have a well-planned four-course meal. We had a smorgasbord. We had a buffet. Some of you, there's, there's different things that you're going to take from the things that we've shared today. But I believe with all my heart that every person in this room, there's something for you to grab from that meal and say, I need to lean into this. I need to, I need to eat this. I need to receive this. As we take a few moments just to pray, uh, I just ask you to lift up your heart to the Lord and say, God, willing. I'm ready. I want to move forward. So let's just uh, I encourage you. Lift up your voice. Don't be scared. I mean, if, if you're not used to praying out loud, that's okay. You, you, you don't have to, but, but let's make this a, a, a place of, of prayer where we lift up our voices and our hearts to the Lord for the next couple minutes.
close uh, close off our message time with a with a with a word of prayer. I want to pray for you and me. I want to pray kind of a final prayer over these these things we've been praying all week. I believe God has heard every prayer. He's at work in every situation that we've brought before Him. So Father, I thank you for every person in this room, every person watching online today. I thank you for their journey with you. I thank you, God, that you love them enough. That you, you have called them, you have saved them, you've redeemed them, you've brought them into your family. You've loved them enough, God, that you've spoken something, something into their hearts today. God, I pray that today as a, as a church family, as a body of believers that you have called to change our city and to impact our city, that God, we would, we would allow our, our own heart, the foundation of our own hearts to be examined. We would allow our foundation as a church to be examined. We'd make sure that our lives are, are founded on you and That, God, we're walking in the way that you want us to walk. That we would pursue you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That, God, you would indeed do something in us, through us, and in our city that only you can do in Jesus' name. Move by your spirit, we ask. It is time for harvest. It is time for harvest. Father, we declare over these prayers that have been prayed all week, these needs. Father, in Jesus' name, you are the provision. You are the healer. You are, you are king in every one of these situations. You are on the throne. We declare that you have heard these prayers and they are being answered. We lift them up and we give them to you pray that you would move in every one of these situations in a powerful way, that we would hear miracle stories in the days to come, and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. And everyone say, amen. amen. Thank you, Pastor. <laughs> Thank you, sound man. All right. Whew, that was a lot today. How you guys feel like you got a feast today? And charged as we go to live out what the Lord is challenging us with. Thank you, Lord. So as you go this week, chew on that. Be fed. Don't keep it to yourself. Share it. <laughs> And be willing to hear, hear what the Lord is saying to you today and this week. So I uh, just want to remember, uh, remind you of prayer meeting tonight at 6 o'clock here.
And also, if you want to be a part of the Next Steps course, so whether this is your first Sunday, whether you've been here for six months, whether you're a brand new Christian or you've been a Christian for 20 years, if you're new to Evangel, come see me today. Okay, we're going to hang out for a few weeks and just connect and stuff, so let me know. All right, be blessed as you go. I do want to let you know that there is still 